I'm Joe. And I'm Ryan. And welcome to the Budget Bros Podcast. We've set out to make something different. Our goal is to reinvent the meaning of the word budget and to help you achieve a quality life without feeling like you're really giving anything up. We share our mindset, give you the tips, tricks, and techniques that we use ourselves. We do the legwork and give you the very best of everything we find. Get ready. The podcast starts right now. Welcome to episode nine of the Budget Bros Podcast. Ryan, how you doing, buddy? Doing well. How are you doing, Joe? You know, this week uh, I did something I didn't think I would do. I bought a Rubik's Cube. That's pretty sweet. And uh, yeah. I'm looking, and it's not quite Rubik'sed. <laughs> <laughs> this is like the off-brand, $3, bought it on Amazon. Hey, I had to get a deal, right? Because a regular Rubik's Cube is 10 bucks. I'm not going to pay 10 bucks for no... Uh, you know, square. <laughs> See, but <laughs> movable pieces. But, but what's different about that Rubik's cube is why are all of the colors black on the inside, but then like highlighted blue and yellow? I think it's and... supposed to be like a grip, and you can't change the colors. Oh, like you can't can't peel the little sticker off. Yeah, you can't. Yeah, exactly. You can't move the stickers on the Rubik's that, cube. But that's actually I, the only way I ever solved a Rubik's cube as a child. <laughs> You just tell me you were not a sticker puller. <laughs> hey man, I tried for hours and you just peel it and boom, done. In the you know what, in the Rubik's society, they'd be very upset with you about that. <laughs> well, if we have any Rubik's society listeners, uh please don't come looking for me. You know, it's been a bit of a roller coaster this week for us trying to put this show together. I'm going to let the audience in on a little uh, behind the scenes budget bro secret. We usually uh whenever we have a guest on, we like to record the guest portion first, then we'll do the intro and then the conclusion. So we started this week's episode thinking we were going to do a part two on credit cards. But now, after listening to the interview and really pulling some of the things that we really enjoyed out of the interview, the, everything's changed. Back to the drawing board, Joe. <laughs> yeah, it's a good thing we record the interview first because when we make decisions like that, it totally completely changes the, the structure of the show. We started with credit cards part two, but we ended up with our money saving mindset. This is something mm -hmm. we talked about in episode one. Uh, it, it's a lot of information to really try to condense and even even try to figure out ourselves. <laughs> how, how do we how do we make a show about our money saving mindset? Uh, it's a show about nothing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that show did pretty well. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, thinking about our money-saving mindset, talking about future episodes, I was talking to a friend recently, and he said, you guys are called the Budget Bros, right? And I said, yeah. And he's like, how come you guys haven't done an episode on budgeting yet? I said, well, that's a great question. Uh, go ahead and email us at budgetbrospodcast at gmail.com, <laughs> uh, attention Joe, and uh, he'll be right on writing those show notes for us. <laughs> Well, it's a good thing you brought that up because we are working on our anniversary episode. Episode 10 is going to be all about budgeting. So we're finally going to talk about the name of the show. We got some really cool stuff lined up. We hope you can uh, definitely make sure to, to check out that podcast. The way we tried to structure our podcast is take all of these different subjects on saving money and budgeting and, and make it fun. Uh, we don't want to sound too dry or put anybody to sleep. 
I think they have podcasts just for that purpose, and we hope that nobody's using our per- podcast for that purpose. <laughs> <laughs> if you are, wake up. <laughs> yeah, we just need to start yelling in the middle of our podcast. To... We got some good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> what we're going to do for episode 10 is invite our wives in again and talk about how we've built a budget as a team, husband and wife, and I think that's really important. But when it comes down to it, it really is a mindset. It's almost like a diet. You know, you, you don't just one day decide you're going to just only eat fruits and vegetables. You know, you, you, you learn about the process and then you see the benefits in your life. And then, you know, when you really put it into action, you see what all that stuff can do. And so we have six things that we're going to talk about on today's episode that are all about the money saving mindset. And each of these six things are things that you can implement in your life right away that'll be really beneficial to your wallet and it'll provide you some wallet relief. And then we have our interview with Andrew and he's going to go over his money-saving mindset. I mean, this guy, I mean, we mentioned him last week. He's the one that used credit card points to engineer a 28-day trip to Asia with all free airfare and free hotel nights. He's like Budget Bro 2000. Yeah, if we're the Budget Bros, he's like the Budget great-grandfather. Some of the things Mm -hmm. that he talks about was that he was able to retire before he was 50 because of some of his budgeting techniques. And he shares a little bit of his background with us and and his, his approach. Now, what we like to do with all our guests is find out their money saving mindset, their approach. We're not trying to tell anybody that that's what you have to do. We just want to share all of this information and let you find your own path, uh, find your own way of, of trying to implement what you like and, and what you don't. Yeah, and what I really like about these interviews is we have our mindset. We, we have a, a technique and a skill and the way that we save money and things like that. But each individual has some other things that they can bring to the table. So he does things differently than we do in certain circumstances. We'd love to be like that. He's made it like his hobby. You know, some people paint, some people collect baseball cards. He does this for fun. And what I really like is not only is he willing to share this information and really help people. In fact, offline, he was able to tell me some ways that I could maximize some of my own credit card benefits. But, you know, he's he's not a millionaire. He never made hundreds of thousands of dollars a year. So he was able to take kind of what many would consider a normal salary and use some of these benefits, rewards points, hotel points, and really do some cool stuff with it. Uh, good for him. I don't think that a lot of people, especially myself, I'm not as disciplined as he is. That approach might not work for me, but there are people out there who are, are going to say, hey, wait a second, maybe I can do just what this guy is doing. You know, the FIRE movement has been picking up a lot of steam. FIRE stands for Financially Independent Retire Early. And that's what a lot of people are, are, are heading towards. In fact, there was a podcaster right when we started who was really nice. I think he reached out to you. He, he has a whole podcast on, on the fire movement. The interview that's coming up, you can hear the intensity in his voice about how he lives his life. He's been able to basically figure out a way to take advantage of credit cards that are offering bonus points, rewards points, cash back, whatever it is, and fuel his lifestyle after retirement. And don't forget to stick around for our money-saving tip of the week. Uh, This week, Joe's going to be giving us that money-saving tip. He's going to tell us about the best site that you can go to to get a higher interest rate on your money while at the same time getting a lower interest rate on your loans. So stay tuned for that. I don't know. Do you trust me? Do you trust me with the money-saving tip of the week? Well, Abby took it last week. You could take it this week. (laughs) 
<laughs> who knows who knows is going to take it next week <laughs> ryan's definitely going to do it next week well you know what maybe we'll do an all four for next week for our signature 10 10 episode event and then we'll give all of our content for our future episodes away in one <laughs> in one exactly, shot exactly exactly so getting into the first segment of our show today, we're going to talk about our top six money mindset principles. Now, Joe, can you please say that five times fast for everybody? <laughs> the, top six, the top six money mindset principles. Oh, you nailed it, man. <laughs> you know, it's funny. Whenever we have a difficult uh, task on the podcast, I'll try like two or three times. And finally, I'll say, so Joe, can you tell us a little more about that? <laughs> Yeah, so anytime you hear on the podcast, hey, Joe, tell us more about that. He's already tried it two or three times. Yeah, and I say... And, and vice versa, too, vice versa. Yeah, and then I say, Joe, just cut that later. You go ahead and take that portion. <laughs> so number one, our first money mindset principle, don't spend more money than you make. Now, this... Wow, that seems so obvious. It might seem obvious, and, and this might be hard to do sometimes. Sometimes you might be in a jam. This might not always work for everybody. But there are times when we tend to overextend ourselves. We see something that we have to have right now. And instead of saving for the future, we just just put it on a credit card. We worry about it later. Uh, that's a good way to start racking up debt. You get to the point where you're only paying interest on your credit cards. Those initial payments, like we talked about in last week's episode, the lessons that our wives had to learn the hard way. By doing that, you can really be digging yourself a deep hole that takes years to get out of. I've been there. I have spent more than I made early on in life, and I really, I really got in some some difficult situations. And so maybe you're dealing with that right now. Uh, it doesn't mean it can't change. Try to get to that point where you're spending less than you make. Can you tell our listeners a time when you bought something that you really regretted? You knew exactly the next day, why did I do that? I think we've all had those moments where we overextended ourselves. And at, at the moment, it sounded like it was going to be a great purchase, but came back and, and really hurt later. <laughs> you know what? I do have one. When my wife and I got first first got married, we needed some furniture for our bedroom. So obviously being of the money-saving mindset, we thought, okay, you know, I'm going to look on Craigslist. And this person was offering brand new furniture that had come from overstock.com. And they had advertised it, they had pictures of it and everything like that. But it was still in the boxes. Mm. And you know how furniture gets shipped. It's all in pieces. So we went to this lady's house like 30 miles away and bought this furniture and it was like you know it was like three or four boxes it was like night tables and a bed and you know it was like a whole room's worth of furniture so we get all these boxes in the car and we we drive back home and i start putting this furniture together and all of a sudden i'm like wait a minute are we missing this piece oh we're, we're, wait we're missing this piece so basically we got like two night tables out of like what should be an entire bedroom set oh no and instantly regretted that we didn't, you know, look in the boxes, look at the instructions and make sure we had everything. And we ended up driving to the lady's house. We called the police. The lady <laughs> came out the with. Uh, okay. uh, uh, this is 911. How, what's your emergency? Um, I didn't get all of my pieces on a lady on Craigslist. Can you meet me at this address immediately? <laughs> Full disclosure, we tried to work with this lady, but she obviously was a scammer and she wasn't really communicating with us so we tried several times before we actually called the police 
it's funny because we got there and she she knew exactly why we were there. We were knocking on the door, you know, and she opens the garage and she just gives us like these extra few pieces. She, oh, these must be the pieces you're missing. Oh, so she had them. But she had – oh, she had hundreds of boxes in her house and you can tell that's what she did. She I don't know if she bought a pallet or something like that, but – yeah, that was a big regret, and we ended up getting. I think I think the dresser came together too. So <laughs> we had three pieces of furniture, which should have been a lot more. But this was years ago, and at the time, my wife and I we were struggling a little bit. But the Nintendo Wii came out, and I got caught up in this frenzy that I had to have a Nintendo Wii so much so that I would show up at Target before they opened every morning and wait with like the three or four other people, <laughs> the ones with the calculator watch. Yeah. So we we. <laughs> We all kind of knew when you'd walk up, you wouldn't really want to look each other in the eye because you're all going to be racing to the back of the store for the same product. This happened for weeks, and I got in this frenzy. I had to have a Nintendo Wii. And by the time I got it and the price I ended up paying for it, I deeply regretted it immediately, especially when we didn't have all of that extra money to spend on that stuff. When you're first married and setting up a life, you're you're on a budget and something like $300, $250, I could really set you over. So that's what we're really talking about with our, our first step. Really think about things before you buy them. Number two of our six money-saving mindset principles also sounds really simple. And it is. It's regularly review your budget. Even if you're not someone that looks at like and makes a spreadsheet and calculates their budget and all that stuff, that's fine. What we're talking about here is looking at your statements, looking at your insurance, looking what you're spending, and seeing if you can get it for less. For instance, we had an episode recently about cell phones. Could you be paying less for mm-hmm. the same cell phone, for the same service, whatever, with a different company? Could you be paying a little bit less for that? Could you be paying a little bit less for your insurance? Are you paying things like credit card fees or other fees on other services by paying late? Review what you have in that, in that moment just to see if you can save some money. Yeah, and if you're not a spreadsheeter like Joe, and uh, <laughs> spreadsheeter, <laughs> if, if 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 you're not uh, huge into making a thousand spreadsheets like Joe is, or like our guest uh, later is gonna let you know that he's also <laughs> in Joe's uh, club. I don't know if you guys get a secret decoder ring or whatever, but <laughs> there's apps now that can do all of that for you. Like one thing that we utilize is Mint. It has all of our accounts there. You can check your spending. It breaks it down into pie charts. And then sometimes we'll take out even a pen and paper and highlight which areas that we think that we can improve on, that we can get our bills lowered. And just from time to time, continually checking in there to make sure that you're not frivolously spending your hard-earned money. We recommend doing this at least every three months. But if this is something you haven't done, do it tonight. After you listen to this podcast, review what you what you can save see what other options are available search it online whatever you've got to do and please let us know how much you're able to save send us an email to budgetbrospodcast at gmail.com or just go to our website budgetbrospodcast and go down to the bottom of the page you can send us a message so our, our third money saving mindset principle is don't increase your spending with increased income a lot of times people say you spend as much money as you make I've heard this a lot over the years. My wife and I early on decided that we weren't going to do this. Now, obviously, some of our uh, comforts have gone up with our increased income. But if we want to make a pretty large purchase, we'll always ask each other, hey, is it okay if I buy this? What do you think about this purchase? We'll sit down and talk about it. 
Because years ago, I, I used to have to call my wife and say, hey, uh, Lucy, I really want to buy this. Do we have enough money in our account to buy this? And usually <laughs> the answer was no. We, we kind of stayed along that mindset, which has allowed us to, to save as we've been able to increase our income. That leads right into our fourth money-saving mindset principle, which is the 48-3 rule. We recently made a video about this. You can check it out on our TikTok page or our, or our Instagram page at Budget Bros Podcast. But it means that when you're going to make a purchase on something that is outside of your normal purchases, like you know your normal monthly bills or groceries or things like that, you stop and you wait 48 hours. This gives you time to decide whether this is something that you really need. And so you ask yourself three questions. Do I need it? Can I afford it? And will this add value to my life? Oftentimes it's interesting because that third question of adding value is really kind of one of the more interesting ones and probably the one where people actually decide uh, whether they need that item or not. And you'd be surprised how 48 hours, giving yourself that time, you may not even want it after 48 hours. You know, and so you're saving money by not spending money, and it can be a great way to just add some extra dollars into your savings account. I was thinking about what do I really need, what brings value to my life. At one point in our lives, my wife and I had gotten down to four suitcases with all of our belongings when we went to Nepal, and, and we're planning on being there for a long time. It was kind of hard to choose she had two bags and I had two bags. What were the most important things to me? And it was really a liberating feeling getting rid of all that other stuff. All of the stuff that you think that you need and you think that is going to make you happy. At the end of the day, some of my most valued things were like my phone and my iPad and all of these, <laughs> some, some items of clothing that I really liked. But honestly, there's not that much that I had to have. Yeah, when you start putting this into practice, you start looking around at the things that are already in your home and you think you start thinking does this add value to my life you know do, does this fan give me any value well yeah it keeps me cool so yeah i'll keep it but what about this this lamp that i don't use let's get rid of it let's sell it let's you know capitalize on that so it's it's a really interesting way to just start to encourage that process of saving money by not spending it with that 48-3 rule, you really are the only one that can answer that question for yourself. So, you know, p different people value different things. And just because you, you're you waiting 48 hours doesn't mean you're not going to get that item. And so you can tell yourself that. Say, hey, this is just me taking a breather, taking a relaxing moment to just make sure that this is going to be something that I can incorporate into my lifestyle that's really worth it. And we're not talking about little 2 or $3 items. We're talking about items that that are a little larger. Now, if you pick up a pack of gum and you wait 48 hours, you're, you're never going to buy a pack of gum. So let's, uh, <laughs> you know, let's be real here. My wife and I used to do this a lot, especially with Amazon. We'd put an item in our cart. We'd wait 48 hours. And oftentimes we noticed the item would actually drop in price because Amazon really wants you to make that purchase. So this might be another way to save money. Plus, you know, you can set up uh, price alerts with Wikibuy or with Honey, and you can get alerted if the price goes up or down with those things on a 5% or more mark. And just real quick on those price alerts, uh, one of my main strategies is when I know I need to buy something really expensive or I'm planning on buying something really expensive, I'll actually look months ahead of time. Like I want a new laptop right now. I set up a couple of price alerts on the deal websites I like to go to. We mentioned slickdeals.net before. And... I'm just waiting for the right price uh, to hit to buy that item. Being patient can save you a lot of money. 
and talking about buying these big ticket items or 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 treating yourself with something that's actually our number five money saving mindset principle splurge a little now if you've been saving well for a long time you know that there's something that you really want it's going to bring you a lot of value well once you have enough money built up uh, buy that item for yourself now we're not talking about buying every little thing being patient uh, using a lot of these rules that we've already talked about, making sure that you have more than enough money to pay for it, that's when you treat yourself. Yeah, I think some people get into the trap, the savings trap. And you can get, you know, saving is very addictive if you if you start getting into it. But, you know, the, the purpose of money is not just to have it, right? Um, when you have enough money to buy something, yeah, you want to have enough for a rainy day and make sure you've got enough just in case there's an emergency or you lose your job or things like that. But you know, there are things that we can buy that are helpful in our lives. You know, I think about when I first moved into this house, the garage door that, that came with the house was one of those that didn't bend. So it was just like, imagine a garage door that was all glued together and it would raise up and it would come out, and if you park too close to the garage, it would hit the car. <laughs> okay, so it was, you know, I, I shopped around for a long, long time, and we were able to get a garage door for $1,000. And I tell you what, I would spend double that for the value I get about having a garage door that goes up and down without, you know, that's automatic and hits the, you know, doesn't hit a car when it opens. As long as you can pay for it in cash or use a credit card and pay that credit card off immediately... There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, and I think that's that's an important point that you hit on there, Joe. If you have the money, if you've saved it up, and it's not going to take... We're not talking about huge expenditures. We're talking about things that are well within your budget. Go ahead yeah. and treat yourself with those items that you know that that's going to add value. And when we're talking about especially things around the house like countertops... Uh, buying those items increases the value of your home as well. So those are never bad purchases. You know, I think about you buy something like a big appliance or something. I always think about this because we bought our refrigerator. We got like the floor model and they discounted. They slashed the price, I think, 20% because it had a dent in the back of it, which you don't even see. I think it was on sale for like $1,000 and I got it for like $600. But I always look at appliances or big purchase items, washers, dryers, things like that. And I think... Would I pay now the extra $200 that, would, that it would have been to get the upgraded model? You know, are there some features that I just wish that I had that I would have, I should have just shelled out that extra money for? Think long term. We want to buy high quality items that are going to last a long time. I tell you what, I will never buy a car with windows that are not automatic. <laughs> I will never buy a car that does not have air conditioning. You know, <laughs> there are certain things I'm always going to shell out the extra money for. Funny that you're talking about shelling out the extra money. Just this week, we're screening in the addition that we had on our porch. Nice. And I was looking for hours and hours on which screen doors to buy on Home Depot. I'm trying to find the ones that are going to last the longest, but the best value for the price. And, right. and that's what's exactly what you're talking about there. Uh, I could go out there and get those $60 screen doors. They're going to blow over in the wind and I'll be paying another $60 in six months. So be, yeah. being smart about your purchases and that's all, all has to do with our money saving mindset. So what about our last item there, Joe? So the last thing is to not spend your windfalls. What, what I'm talking about is you getting a large sum of money at one time 
and not spending it. So these windfalls can be like a catalyst to helping you protect your financial future going forward. Say you fill out your tax returns, you found out that you overpaid taxes by $5,000. Just because you're getting $5,000, what we're saying is don't go and spend that $5,000 immediately on something that you want. Save that money. You know, you, yep, yeah, treat yourself, like we just talked about, to something small, but save it. Say you have zero, you know, you're at like zero, you have zero dollars in the bank and you have, you know, all these expenses and you have a job and you're living paycheck to paycheck. That $5,000 or $2,000, whatever it is that you get from your taxes, can really go a long way to you feeling really good about your own situation. Advertisers, you will notice right around tax time, really boost their advertising. In fact, they'll tell you, Come in with your, you know, your check from the government and buy a couch. What? No, save it. <laughs> yeah, I think some people, as soon as they see how much money they're getting back on their taxes, they think, oh, that's all free money. Let's, let's spend that all on a vacation, furniture, a car. Well, yeah. maybe you could spend a little bit of it on some of those items. Well, probably not a car, but, you know, you could take a smaller vacation or uh, just always have the mindset to try to save some, maybe half. You want to make sure that you're able to use those windfalls to benefit you and your family in the future. Now, I'm not saying if you have debt, you shouldn't pay it off with that. If you have some debt, like a credit card debt or something like that, that you've accumulated, that would be a great time to use that for that. Provide yourself with that financial relief. Give yourself some space between you, know, you and that debt. That will really go a long way as well. So those are our six money-saving mindset principles. We could go on and on about all the different principles that you could use to save money, but we thought those were the those were some good starter money-saving mindset principles that you can use right now in your life. And if you have others, please email us, let us know what things that you think are things that you live by that are really beneficial. And if you need any help in this regard, we're happy to answer all of your questions. Just send us an email and we'd be happy to answer your questions or even answer them and answer them on our podcast. So now it's a good time to get into our interview with Andrew and let's try to learn his money saving mindset. Well, we're really happy to have Andrew on the show today. He is a credit card expert, but he's also going to talk about his money-saving mindset. It's the same kind of mindset we talk about. He's going from from his childhood up until today and all the things that have led up to him being able to save more money, spend less money, and really utilize the points, features, benefits that credit cards offer. Now, He's going to be talking about credit cards in depth a little bit. So what he wants to do is make sure that you know that when you get a credit card, you should always pay your balance in full. You should be organized and disciplined when you're planning any kind of trip and using your rewards points. You want to know that your credit score could take a hit and it can be affected by applying for multiple credit cards or even one credit card. And that you want to make sure you're not going to be applying for your first home loan or that you need some kind of reason for your credit to be super clean. So with all that out of the way, let's introduce our guest. So we're happy to have Andrew as a guest on our show today. So welcome, Andrew. Thanks, Ryan. Good to be with you and Joe today. I really enjoyed last week's podcast. But maybe we could start this way. Could you just tell us 
How many credit cards do you have? A lot. 30 or 40 open. I don't know. I have a 12 pack, <laughs> you know, beer case, 12 pack, half full. Yeah. It's just stacked, you know, one on top of the other, half full. It probably has 300 dead credit cards in it. Wow. I'm probably approaching, I don't know, 400 lifetime or something. I don't know. <laughs> so you've, you know what you're doing. I mean, he, for our listeners, Andrew knows what he's doing. He's had over 400 credit cards in his life and currently active and open credit cards. He doesn't even know how many he has. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that doesn't sound like I know what I do. Oh, yeah, and the 400 are me and my wife, so I get to how do you keep How do you keep record of all that? Because that's – how do you manage 30 or 40 credit cards? I think I'm kind of like you, Joe. I'm big on spreadsheets, so – Back in the day, I would actually keep a spreadsheet tab for each card and keep track of all of the expenses for that card and the, the due dates, et cetera, for that card. In modern times, I've gotten a little lazy and I'll just throw all of those card information in one tab on a spreadsheet. So where do you, where do you go to find all of these credit card deals? Creditcards.com, frequent flyer websites like frugaltravelguy.com, my friend's website, reneespoints.com. I'll almost go the reverse search by bank as well. Could you just tell us a little bit about your own background and your money-saving mindset. My father worked for a factory that laid him off nearly every summer for a lot of my growing up years. So uh, see him do various odd jobs and things just to be able to make ends meet during those unemployment times. I really appreciated those lessons of resourcefulness. My dad and I, we did things like built a two and a half car garage, just the two of us. My parents really weren't in a position to buy us a lot of things. And I'm glad that they didn't retrospectively because they really taught us to enjoy the satisfaction we would get from earning things ourselves. And then also the fact that you would take care of those things and make them last longer. They would give us projects that we could earn money with. My dad actually made a bunch of plans on how we could use pallet lumber that he would bring home from the factory. And we could tear that wood apart and reform it to be dog houses. So whenever we wanted something, my parents would say to us, well, how many dog houses are you going to have to make to get that? I still remember to this day that I wanted this cool calculator watch that cost a little over $100. So my parents said to me, well, you can get that. You're just going to have to go make three dog houses. And I did. Wow, your first micro company dog house building business <laughs> for profit at eight years old. That's amazing. So who do you think had the biggest impact on your money saving mindset? I would probably have to go back and credit it to my mom's good organization skills that she passed on uh, to me. She was the one that always made ends meet on the budget and really taught us to, uh, to be organized. So that way, whatever challenge you're faced with, at least you're facing that challenge with a good tool set. She really taught me to be a good planner, and I think probably I've taken the planning even even past what my parents you know may have done what's well, interesting that you mentioned that because both ryan and i kind of credit our mothers <laughs> you know and then you go and credit your own your mother everybody credits their mom my mom has yeah. containers to hold her containers <laughs> <laughs> so tell us a little bit about your previous work experience then so i ended up doing drafting for some of the copper mines in arizona for quite a few years sometimes it would take about a month to get paid. So that actually made my wife and I uh, continue to always budget very well from the start because we didn't really know when the next paycheck was coming. So what would you say some of the basic things that you've done in your life to maximize your savings and to minimize your spending? 
we really just always kept our budget meager and only what we needed. Uh, we almost always bought used cars, two mm-hmm. years old, 20,000 miles, something like that. But they have plenty of life left in them and you're not paying a lot of depreciation. Over time, we're able to save enough money to buy a lo- an acre lot, ended up getting to draft my own house plans. So we kind of acted as our own contractor, built the house and ended up, um, you know, continuing to save. That is such good stuff. But what about when things, you know, when they got tough financially? There were some economic downturns where it was really good to have taken advantage of the opportunities that you had financially when you have them and save for a rainy day. We were able to, even on unemployment, take a year off and go and travel and take our first trip to China on points that we had saved. You know, people might think you need to be a millionaire to do this. What kind of income were you working with with all this? I don't think I've ever made more than, I don't know, I had a few good years. Most of the time it was a lot less, you know, 40, 50, but it's just what you consistently do and sock away, right? Then you get to a point where you get enough money that it can work for you. I'm, I'm definitely where I'm at now from having a good financial start of the first 12 years of marriage, low, uh, you know, expenses. I mean, that's my, for people just starting off on their own when they got to support themselves, that that's a good piece of advice. Find a living situation that is as cheap as possible, especially while you need, you know, first married or you're trying to be in money saving mode. Yeah. I really like that, Andrew, because you don't need a six figure income to start saving. You can start saving at any income level. It's just a matter of starting. So Andrew, by keeping your expenses low and developing good saving habits, You mentioned to us in the beginning of this show that you've been semi-retired for some time. At what age were you able to semi-retire? I was about 49 and a half. Yeah, this episode has really been all about that money-saving mindset. And it sounds like you've been able to do a lot of the things that people strive to do. Retire early, pay off your house early. Over the years, taking advantage of the corporate 401k policies, uh, always at least as a minimum, contributing as much as the company would directly match because when you do that, you're doubling your money. So you pretty much can't lose. By doing that, we were able to save up enough to put a down payment down on a few rental properties. So ultimately that ended up helping us to semi-retire at least. So I actually still have loans on the rental properties, but that turns out to be the ideal situation to actually owe money on a rental property, but to pay off the majority of your main home because you really don't have much deduction there, but everything's deductible on a rental property. Andrew, thank you so much for sharing your money-saving mindset. We'd now like to transition into credit cards. Now, we know you're very good at working with them and getting the most bang for your buck with them. So what are some easy strategies that our listeners could use to utilize points and cash back for travel? Well, a goal that's worked well for us is to plan a big international trip of about two to four weeks in length, and to do that every two years. And usually to do it in the fall, because the fall just turns out to be the best off-season time to travel. We primarily only open new cards prior to or during that period of two years leading up to a trip that will give the bonuses that will directly help us to achieve the goal of that trip. It takes a lot of points to get to another continent. So when you do travel internationally, you want to do your best to fully explore the highlights of that region while you're there. Especially after last week's episode, people want to know exactly what credit card should they go out and apply for. So when people ask me which card to get, I say, that depends. Where do you want to go? The first step for me is to actually sit down at the computer and 
do a dry run, where you want to go, which airline flies that route, or maybe which one of their partners flies it if they don't fly there. I'm always looking for nice smooth flights, non-stops from here to here, so I don't have to spend 26 hours connecting through three airports to get there. You really want your travel to be smooth because then it's going to be a lot more enjoyable. Go and do searches on each airline's website where you think you want to fly and see if the mileage-based ticket is actually there. Is it there in the season you want to travel? How much is it for, for coach and for business class? You want to make sure that the award's going to actually be there for you to redeem before you even bother getting that credit card or collecting those points. Yeah, 100%. So we, we like to share different tools and tricks that we found along the way. Uh, what websites do you use? Well, one tool that will help you to see which rewards program can help you to achieve the right free flight on a particular routing is Award Hacker. I like that one because you can put in point to point where you want to fly and it'll show you which airlines are all involved as well as their partners. I like that it also does a good job of reminding you where you can actually double up on your points and you maybe are collecting United Mileage Plus points. You can at the same time collect Chase Ultimate Reward points, which you can then convert to be more United Mileage Plus points. You can also use Delta Sky Miles along with American Express membership rewards as those two programs work together and you can double up your points there. So what about hotels? Because, you know, flights are one thing. Hotels are a completely different thing. What about, you know, what do you use to research hotel credit cards? I love the simple site called awardmapper.com. It shows me which hotel chains have a good presence in any of my regions of interest. You can actually refine the view to show on a map just the hotels, for instance, from Marriott chain. And then even within the Marriott hotels, you can look to see if there's any bargain properties in good locations. Maybe you're gonna choose a Sheraton or a Marriott that has a great location rather than two to three times the points it might take for a Ritz-Carlton property. So when you're planning a big trip, it takes such a chunk of miles, maybe 60,000 or 80,000 miles per person each way. So you're likely gonna use miles from one credit card or airline program for the trip over and an entirely different program's miles for the trip home. So using all these different techniques, how much do you estimate that all of this has saved you over the years? I don't keep perfect track, but on just one trip that had all international business class airfare and mostly four to five star hotels, we saved nearly $30,000 on that one trip alone for three of us. So I would say that over the years, we've saved well over $100,000 and possibly approaching even double that. If somebody wanted to get into this and they wanted it to be simplified, how many credit cards do you think is enough where the, where the average Joe could manage? Uh, no, 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 no pun intended. No pun intended, yeah. <laughs> the average Ryan. <laughs> I would think two or three cards. Some are going to have the categories for things like paying your cable bill, like Chase Inc. Preferred, um, office supplies, those kind of things. And then other cards are going to give you three times or five times cash back or whatever on groceries. But if you just had to pick one card, my overall advice to people would be to pick something like Chase Ultimate Rewards or City Thank You Premier card city thank you premium card that has flexible points that can be pushed toward airlines or hotels or gift cards or cash back flexibility for whatever people might need. Boy, thanks for sharing those really great tips, Andrew. Now, I know you probably have to go fill out a credit card application or something like that right now. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. We really appreciate uh, you coming on and sharing all these awesome tips with us today. 
you're welcome. My pleasure. And I sure hope that some of your listeners can benefit and have some great trips like my wife and I have enjoyed. Well, I'm sure that'll be the case. Yeah, we really appreciate it. And now Joe's going to give us our money-saving tip of the week. So this week's money-saving tip of the week is actually a website called bestcashcow.com. Now, if you visit this website, you're going to be like, what is this hokey-looking you know, funky website. We're not sponsored by them or anything like that, but I like them in part because credit unions and banks can actually go directly to their website to input their rates and their services and things like that. So you're getting really good source information. And so if you go to bestcashcow.com, there's actually a menu. That's the best place to start. And you'll see all the different things that you can get higher or lower rates on. You'll see loans, credit cards, mortgages, CDs, things like that. And really the place where they really shine is for CDs. And so you can actually search local places that you can buy CDs, savings accounts, things like that. You can also check out loan rates. And on the very front page, you'll notice that you can just put in your, uh, your zip code and it will automatically tell you the best rates that are available in your area. So go ahead and check out bestcashcow.com and let us know in the show notes what you think about it and if you find something good. Yeah, I'm actually looking at the website right now. I know it looks like a four-year-old made it, doesn't it? Well, I think the logo is kind of cool. <laughs> but uh, no, actually, I, I'm, I'm finding a lot of good information here. This is, this is actually something brand new to me. Uh, I'm definitely going to share this with Lucy. I, I think that we'll be able to utilize this. Thanks a lot, Joe. You know, what this website lacks in simplicity, it really comes through on content. And so, for instance, I just very quickly put in my zip code and looked at interest rates on conforming 30-year mortgages, which a lot of people are focused on right now. I found rates, average rates of 3.13%, and it will take you through this list of the different rates. And now a lot of these websites that you go to, want you to put in all this information. They want all this personal information about you. What I love about this website is it just gives you the data right away. All they need is a zip code and you, and you get you get interest rates right up front. So there's some great deals out there. People just don't know where to go and they don't want the complicated stuff. This is easy and quick. Yeah, I really like that aspect about this website because I don't know about, about all of our listeners, but anytime I go to a website and then this huge dialogue box pops up and I have to, uh, you know, put my the street that I grew up on and my <laughs> mother's sister's maiden's name, which would be my mother's maiden's name. Um, <laughs> but I have to just fill out tons and tons of information instantly regretting that decision because I know that uh, my email is going to be flooded with all this junk mail. One more thing I just quick, quickly want to point out about this website, because we're talking about credit cards today, if you scroll down to the bottom of the page, they have something called the credit card maximizer. And so what this allows you to do is put in what you want. Like you want cash back, rewards points, you want to stay in hotels. You can actually type in how much you, you spend and it will tell you exactly how much you can earn and the best credit cards to get for that. Well, that's that actually wraps everything up perfectly from today's uh, credit card, non-credit card, money-saving mindset episode. Look at, look at how you put a nice right. little bow on that, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> Just one thing I want to say towards the end of this podcast is that we currently do not have any sponsors. We're doing this all for free. 
and we just love this information. So we really hope that um, we, we know you're not going to send us buckets of cash or anything like that, but we would like you to send us your questions and your feedback and things that you maybe want us to address on the show. We're always looking for new ideas. And if you're a budget bro too, if you're somebody that uh, really likes to save money and you have some great ideas, we'd love to hear those too. So visit budgetbrospodcast.com to send us that information. Follow us on Instagram at budget bros podcast, because we're place we're putting videos up like you wouldn't believe there's lots of really great content on there. And uh, we thank you for tuning in. So we'll see you in seven days. Take care. Take care. (laughs) 